Hi, this is Colin from Worse in the Industry. We have a lot of laughs on our show, and we get in some pretty heated topics, so it's important to remember that the views expressed by the hosts of Worse in the Industry are our own, and in no way are representations of the views held by the Planet Ant Podcast Network or Planet Ant as an organization, even when we're right. Yell at us, not them. Thanks, and enjoy the show. This has been a production of Planet Ant Podcast, powered by Pinecast. Can I talk my shit now? I was playing two-hand touch, fuck it up, it's a hit now. When I hit the road, do a show, hit a lick, then I skip town. Run up in the spot, no dance, and I make them all get down. Boy, you better sit down. Yeah. Ain't nothing fancy, I'm still broke. Cross town like Yancey, I will throw. They say I'm in a spot they would kill for. I could put them in the wheel and they still won't. If our Lord and Savior Matthew Stafford wins us next weekend, I don't want to talk about it. It's you know what he earned it. He put in his time on the Lions. No, right. twelve is, years. You know what? Twelve years. I understand now. I understand now why Jews don't think that Jesus is the Messiah because they're jealous. The same way I'm jealous of Matthew Stafford leaving the Lions to win, to go on to the Super Bowl, it feels to me, it's like, it's like, well, of course he's not the Messiah. I still live in shit. If he was the Messiah, I wouldn't be living in shit now, would I? Yeah. I, I so, understand. I get it now. You get so, it. I don't you know. Technically, this realization means that I have more rights in Israel than any Palestinian child. So I don't know if you guys know this, but um, the Super Bowl this year, uh, a team has a home Sorry, we advantage. can't. We, we keep using the, the Super Bowl. The big the Super game. Bowl. Yeah, we you're gotta gonna talk have to about the big game. The big, game. The big so game. The big game. The big game. The big game is being held at uh, SoFi Stadium in Inglewood, Los Angeles. Inglewood. Um, so the LA Rams have home field advantage. This is the second year in a row where the the place where the Super Bowl is held had a team playing. Last year was uh, Buccaneers in Tampa. So Roger Goodell put out a statement today saying that uh, all Super Bowls are going to be held in a, neut- a neutral site, and that is going where no one will have home field advantage, and that spot is going to be Ford Field, Detroit, Michigan, because they're never going to make it enough. No, never once. <laughs> we are never going to get there. <laughs> they're keeping all us. the overtime rules. That's not for None us. None of the overtime right? rules are changing. We've got the wings. Yeah. Sometimes the Pistons are good, and occasionally the Tigers get their head out of their ass. The last time Tyler and I got to talk about how the Pistons used to be good, you cut the entire conversation out of the episode, which made me look like a real asshole because I wrote the description referencing the conversation. Well, so, I'm sorry. An episode, <laughs> dig through the episodes. There's a conversation. There's an episode description that mentions Tyler and I talking about basketball. And it's not in the episode at all. Zero reference. Yeah. So we it just seems like I'm going crazy. We love watching our boys in their short pants run around shooting hoops. Yeah. I'd watch Darko Milicek eat chips on the couch. Yeah. I, I'd let Chauncey Billups step on my face. I don't care. Yeah, yeah but that has nothing to do with sports. No, that's more of a sexual predilection that I personally yeah, that's, have. That's a you yeah. thing. I want to wear Rasheed Wallace's mask. I want to, I Is want that to also a sexual that was, thing? That was Rip Hamilton. Oh, whatever. Right They're all the same to me. Oh, that's right. The Detroit Pistons. <laughs> the Detroit Pistons are yeah. all the same to me. Well, that's good. Specifically. Cut. Specifically the Detroit Pistons from like 99 to 06. Those people are all the same to me. When oh, I say those, those people. people those yes, the Detroit Pistons. That's who I'm referring to. <laughs> All right, starting off. Oh man! Just oh, God just damn it! One. Can somebody please cut me off and intro the episode? <laughs> yeah, I got. For the love got of something. Christ, I'll keep <laughs> talking if you don't stop me. <laughs> God damn it! Uh, hey, hi, hello, and welcome once again to another episode of Worst in the Industry, the show where this uh, half-empty, shitty sedan attempts to keep pace with the uh, the. The sports car of life as we uh, take off from a light at the same time and stick right next to light and uh, make it real insecure because a shitty sedan's right next to it. 
I don't know what that has to do with the show. My name's Justin St. Peter, and I did that like an hour ago, and I'm still thinking about it because it's real fun to make car guys insecure. To my left. My name's Colin Stanley, and if a human couldn't have power steering, I wouldn't. To my <laughs> left. Uh, my name's Tyler, and the check engine light of my body has been on for probably the last three or four years. Gas cap off. Yeah. Yeah, it's been a, yeah, you know. Oh, yeah. Is what it is. It's probably a sensor issue. Don't worry. Yeah, it's, it's just exactly. A sensor. It's I'll just dis I'll just I'll just disconnect the battery for a couple seconds. Yeah. Clear the the next time I smell burning and my arm hurts, I'll just say it's a sensor issue. We'll chalk it up to that. Exactly. It's uh, an O2 I mean, sensor. Realistically speaking, the odds that one of my you know millions of nerve endings is failing in conjunction with other nerve endings failing is way more likely than me, an obese American man, having issues with the heart. No, of course. You're never gonna. That ticker is gonna keep going. Those are just the odds. It's actually a globalist plot to convince people that heart disease is real. I just want to be clear on that. You see, Jewish and space lasers are actually what kills everyone. Those heart people. Disease. The 1996 no, to 2002 Detroit Pistons. Exactly. 19, 1999 to 2006, specifically oh, yes, seven years. Thank you. Thank you. But yeah, uh, I'm unfortunately running this episode. They keep letting me do it. Uh, and today's episode Weird. is a little more um, general, I guess. You know, it's we're going to talk about some very specific things within the episode. But this episode is more of a, a personal agonized wail, uh, as well as a primer some for a future, uh, hopefully, series, not just one-parter, uh, yeah. that we're going to talk about. Um, but today we're talking about um, art, and more specifically, um, the commodification of art. Yeah. So, so don't don't think fine line work and move right past broad brushstrokes and just think of a roller. That's how general we're gonna get. Hey man, Hitler was a great painter. He could cover an apartment in an afternoon. Two coats. Two coats. That's my favorite fucking joke from the producers, bud. It's it's an excellent uh, joke from the producers. So, so Colin's got something to say about newts, frogs, and toads, and I don't know where this is going with art. Well, we're we're gonna about, get we're gonna get to all my apes. It's are about going. reptiles. We're gonna get <laughs> we're gonna get there. Um, mm, so let's yes, but let's the start. Sorry, they're they're uh they're niftas now. As I always do, let us let us travel back in time so that we may travel to the present. Get in get in with me this mental time machine. I'm like Carl Sagan. If he talked about coming all the time, fine. So, but I don't want to sit in the middle. The Tyler earliest has to sit in the middle. He's got the littlest butt. Of course, he sits in the middle. He's the yeah. narrow one. Yeah. I'm the, the narrow one. <laughs> Happens. So the earliest discovered uh, piece of possible artwork, and I'll clarify that in a second, <laughs> is uh, just about half a million years old. Uh, it's a a extinct species of mussel. That shell was engraved with a series of geometric lines. Um, now, there's a lot of contention and controversy over whether or not this is technically art, if it's just a signature, if it's, you know, what, what the point of this is. Um, for the sake of the episode, fuck you, it's art. Um, <laughs> and it's also art that predates Homo sapien, modern man, by about 200,000 years. Um, so before self-conscious thought existed in human beings... Art has existed amongst hominids. Uh, art, um, it, you know, it's arguably the only wholly good thing that we do as a species. Um, the value in art, in art is inherent and innumerous. It's extremely personal and universal. Art is nearly impossible to define without exclusion. It's as mercurial as human nature and just as immeasurable as emotion no imperial standard exists that cannot be defied by art it's something that you know when i was in college it was something I, I took a couple art classes and one of the things that's constantly talked about is the fact that there is no real good definition of what is art and what is not because you are constantly trying to define it by what it's not but the problem is you can make art out of anything hmm. um one of the the big pushes is the the data movement the dataist movement and when literally a public fucking toilet became a massively famous piece of art not because the artist intended it to be art but because the where it was placed the context it was placed in and what people thought about it 
So really when we talk about art, it's it's less of something that just exists and something that you could define and more just kind of a byproduct of human beings existing and having conscious brains. It's it's an experience that overlays certain things, certain patterns, uh, and it's different for everybody. But as a person, you innately understand when you're looking at art or experiencing art. You have that feeling. You know that the difference between a wall primed and painted and a Picasso. Two cults. That said, personally, I believe art is a measurement of human transcendence. It's the immaterial made material, the spirit made flesh. It's something about humans that's unique and indefinable that we are able to create some sort of concrete version of. To literally take the stuff of imagination and dreams and solidify it into something that you can share with other people. So, of course, jackasses need to fucking ruin it. It's, it, is, it is an, <clears throat> something that is naturally uh, rare, something that is naturally, you know, takes skill to create. So, of course, naturally, people who are filled with greed have to commodify it. And it's not even necessarily that it's... It's that it's not scarce in any way. Anybody of any skill level um, can, both intentionally and non-intentionally, uh, create art. All the time. Constantly. So the idea that now that we're underneath capitalism is, is basically taking something that is indefinable, that is not scarce, and artificially imposing those characteristics on it. And how do you do that? How do you create scarcity out of something that is infinite? How do you put a value on something that's value is only tied to conscious observation? That it's not tied to... Was that? Sorry. I said arbitrarily. Um, basically, yeah. And the way you start doing that is copyright law. Mm. So, the original uh, copyright law in the United States, I believe, is 1903 or 1909. It was basically a landmark statute um, in, you know, United States, in, in American law, in the history of American law. Yeah. Everybody says, you know, you've heard the phrase a million times, possession is nine-tenths of the law. This is one of those, uh, like, foundational statutes that sets that up to be true. Mm. Um, that really, uh, in a lot of insidious ways um, that probably weren't intended at the time, um, really codifies and uh, reinforces these really fucked up ideas about property and possession that are the reason this country exists. You know, to be frank country exists because a bunch of guys were really fucking horned up about their property and didn't want the government taking a cut um and didn't want the government limiting how much they could own and how often they could uh, get new shit so this is just the next ideological step on that chain um now not to say that this is a law like any other law that is you know created for the benefit of the people this is not this is very clearly to the benefit of a specific specific group specifically corporations right the ownership class yeah exactly yeah the work of the many uh work of the many helps the few yeah yeah, exactly exactly (laughs) which i mean explains why underneath copyright law there's multiple definitions of an author there are Authors that are known, authors that are unknown, and authors that are corporations. So, probably the thing that you're most familiar with, living in America, when we talk about copyright law, is Disney. And what Disney has done to copyright law. Hmm. Where Disney, Universal, Viacom, and a slew of other uh, content companies, because what they do at a certain point ceases to be art, and we're going to cover that further... Um, but basically they found out that, Hey, you know, through the sixties and seventies, you start to see how much money merchandising can really make a company, how much value you can extract from a single IP. Um, it's crazy. They, they didn't understand before necessarily how much money you can make off ideas and just ideas and then selling and branding those ideas on an international scale. But once they did, 
they knew they had to fucking protect it and they had to make sure that nobody could ever take even the slightest piece of that pie away from them yeah yeah not even on a child's tombstone so oh jesus yeah or on a nursery school wall which again i'm sure we'll have our disney series our disney marvel series down the line but for right now the point here is that basically prior uh to what 1976 uh there was a, a limit. Basically, um, if something was going to be created in 1920 under the 19... Uh, sorry. If something was created in 1921 under the 1976 Copyright Act, uh, its copyright would be expired on in 1997. Mm-hmm. Uh, if something were to be created in 1990, uh, 1922, its copyright would expire in 1998. However... In the mid-90s, 1995 specifically, um, pushed through to essentially supersede these previous iterations of the Copyright Act, which is, the whole point is to protect um, personal uh, works of art, um, but more specifically to enforce something that's in the Constitution, where it talks about um, the protection of, uh, I believe it's sciences and beneficial arts, is the phrase uh, the phrase that's used, and the idea behind this, like the 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 argument that's made by these companies, these corporations, as to why copyright is so important, is that if you don't protect existing IPs with copyright laws, then people won't make art. They'll just they'll make something derivative off of something that already exists. Not only is that like patently false, yeah, complete totally bullshit. Untrue. And completely unfounded by any metric that you could possibly... Like, any study that's been done on copyright and its effects on art production completely refutes this. And, I mean, hey, it doesn't take a fucking genius to think about why. Oh, just because somebody's making Mickey Mouse, drawing Mickey Mouse, that means all I'm gonna do is draw versions of Mickey Mouse unless their fucking lawyer kicks down the door? No. People always want to create art that feels more personal, that feels more a unique expression of themselves and the way they're feeling. Um, that That's just part of how people are. Like, there is, you know, obviously it's incentivized by, um, like, the neoliberal technocracy that runs our fucking life, but there is a part of, like, human nature that is individualistic. I think, like, we are, like, innately collectivist as a species, um, but there is that kind of spark, that same thing, I feel, that drives us to produce art also drives to think of ourselves as self and not as ourselves. Um, so that idea, obviously bullshit. Um, but through this kind of fucking rhetoric and obviously through, you know, jamming uh, whatever uh, fucking congressional dickhead they can get their hands on full of their money... Um, they were able to, in the in the mid-90s, uh, uh, pass the Copyright Term Extension Act, which essentially added an additional 21 years onto any copyright term. Um, so basically, you'd have to go from 75 years from the death of the person that made the art, yeah. and then you slap another 21 years on top of that. Um now I believe this protects. This only protects uh, artwork, uh, works that were produced after 1923, which is why, if you if you'll note, recently Winnie the Pooh became public domain, but only that original iteration of Winnie the Pooh, mm-hmm. because and this is the kind of fucked up, stupid thing that happens when you have uh, a government and a legal system based on the whims of corporations. That every subsequent iteration of the character Winnie the Pooh can be individually copyrighted and resets the clock for that specific iteration. So for Mickey Mouse, for instance, right? Because Steamboat Willie, the original version of Mickey Mouse, is about to come into the public domain. And next, I think it's 2024, is is when that one shows up. Um, But if you were to draw Mickey Mouse with, like, gloves on, right? White gloves. pants. Copyright. Bang. On your ass, because the version of Mickey that uh, shows up with white gloves doesn't exist for another few years. So I think it's like 2027 or 8 
is when you'd be able to do that. You'd be able to reproduce a Mickey Mouse with white gloves. Yeah. But, I'm just happy that now I can mint my Luftwaffe Winnie the Pooh NFTs. <laughs> We're getting there, buddy. We are getting there. Um, and obviously, glorious Luftwaffe. <laughs> oh, Christopher Wobbin. Oh, Christopher Wobbin. What, what, what do you think the answer to the Jewish question is? <laughs> oh, Henry Ford. Oh, what's, Henry Ford. In three words, can you describe what's wrong with baseball? <laughs> the foremost problem with baseball. Oh, oh Winnie the Pooh. Winnie the Pooh. Oh, like Shog, as we all the know. The international pool. The international poo? The world's foremost problem. Oh, man. The poo-run media is... Yeah. They're yeah, really the stealing all media. the honey. They're Well, they're hoarding the honey in in the thousand-acre yeah. Levant, so yeah. I don't... This is, it, It's getting too mixed, the metaphor. Yeah, they made, their pooish, they made their poo-ish space lasers. The, the yeah, the poo-ish space lasers. Actually, I'm pretty sure that uh, there, that there is a reference... Do you, what if what if Tigger, when Tigger's like talking about heffalumps and woozles, he's just talking about like the Romanian Jews? And oh Jews. yeah, it's just it's like, just replacements it's for just racial like, slurs. It's just like deep anti-Semitism. <laughs> it's meant it's like the Manchurian Candidate, but for anti-Semitism in the youth. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah just remember, got, folks, you, if your poo is titties out, he's safe. Just remember, folks, you go on Tigger's Wild Ride once in Disney World, your child will be a neo-Nazi. I learned about I learned about the the globalist cabal of woozles and heffalumps that runs yep. our media and our medical infrastructure. He fucking goes in there, normally comes out duck stepping. He's a motherfucker, I'll Dude, tell you that much. Clover Honey is a Psyop by the Heffalump and Woozle world and the government. Poos. What are you, a clove boy? <laughs> That's what they call people that that eat too much honey, clove boy. Because yeah. Winnie the Pooh is the, like the original soy boy. That's good. Yeah. No, I like he's that. He's the soyest of boys. Because I'm a, I'm a even though he's he's a bear who walks yeah. around with his with his with his junk out all the time. Eeyore is actually a Maoist. Fun fact. Is that yeah. why he's so sad all the time? Yeah. Yeah, he's just thinking about the killing fields. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Saw his whole village die oh, and get tortured. Why bother? Why, why bother? bother endlessly revolting when all we do is kill peasants? Oh, Christopher Robin. <laughs> oh, man. Where's my tail got taken by the state? Third world... <laughs> Oh man, I've, I've been reading this book. I'm sorry, this this brief tangent. I've been reading this book, uh, Detroit City, uh, or no, not Detroit, uh, uh, Detroit. I do mind dying, and they talk about um, the South End, uh, Wayne State's uh, student newspaper, uh, which was extremely radical and run by uh, like black liberation radicals uh, mm -hmm. and black uh, labor leaders, um, specifically John Watson. Uh, but <laughs> there's there's literally, it was back when uh, there was the junior officer uh, revolt, you know, the junta in Greece mm -hmm. that, that took place. Um, and for, uh, like, one issue, they changed their masthead uh, from, uh, it, was, it was like a, I don't remember the slogan, it was like a Black Liberation slogan. But the way they changed it to, um, one Greek freedom fighter is worth a hundred idle Greeks. And... <laughs> I know it's meant to be inspiring, but in my mind, I'm like, what else is a hundred idle Greeks worth? Yeah, like what? <laughs> and how many, you know what? How many Greek chefs is that worth? How many Just Tony cooks say, are we talking? You guys, that's 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 a little uh, you know, build your own adventure story. You guys, you well, think about if we, what else is a hundred idle Greeks worth? You play that one out for yourself. If we quantify idle Greeks as how many grape leaves they can make in a year. How many stuffed grape fleas can they make in a year, okay? That's no, no, how we'll Tyler, quantify the word. Tyler, that's old world, old world quantities. This is Michigan. It's how many coney dogs can they produce in a week? True. I don't even true, think the true, Greeks true. Are, are the ones churning out these coney dogs anymore. I think that's a false flag. 
It's. I mean, historically, they were. I'm also so Pollock. I've been listening it's, to all it, this. Hey, Alex I Jones grew up shit. in the Green I've Cody just, Island. I've just been calling everything false flags. Now, I literally we. You're I was at the grocery store the other day, and. I was looking for like a specific beer they didn't have it. I'm like, and I literally in my head was like, it's a false flag. I was like, God damn it. I need they to got stop. It in the back. They got it in the back, don't they? Yeah. They're hiding it from me. Uh, All anyway, these other beers are paid actors. False, it's false scarcity. Yeah. False scarcity. Speaking of hey, false speaking scarcity. Hey, speaking of false scarcity. Circle back to the point of this episode. Copyright and artwork and the commodification of artwork. So obviously these corporations have been existing and, and operating as their sole source of income, the commodification of artwork. Now, originally, I'm sure there was an argument to be made, hey, a lot of this art needs money to produce because the way our society is set up is that you can't just be an art. You can't just do nice things and expect to eat and not die. Um, no, but it's also like artistic supplies. They take, you know, pigments are rare and they're difficult to reproduce and things like that. So there is a, I see that there is a literal justification for it, but to well, an extent. Course. Uh, to an extent, of course. Um, but obviously, it's not on these corporations to be reasonable or to be fair or any of these things. I mean, that's of kind of you know, contrary to the point, which is why they do the psych out of things like, you know, make sure that a child's headstone can't have uh, any Disney copyrighted artwork on it and sue the company or have the headstone removed. Or no, God, no. That kid might make some money post-mortem. Or is like, one, uh, I believe it was a nursery school, if not a daycare, in Florida found out, hey, you can't paint a mural of Disney copyrighted characters on the wall because then we'll sue your fucking uh, baby toddler school into the ground. We'll grind it's, them underneath the boot heel of our corporate lawyers. That that may be the one time that that went to court, but they have sent out dozens, if not hundreds, if not thousands of cease and desist letters oh, about that. it's not thousands. It's millions at this point. Uh, because of the way that they they have this like like complete like tentacular uh, like insertion into every platform, uh, both virtual and otherwise, that could possibly uh, have a piece of their copyrighted content placed onto it. And I do say content because at a certain point, um, you have divested sign from signifier. At a certain point, something that is created to be artwork is no longer artwork, I would argue, because it's no longer an expression of anything other than the desire to make more money. Now, I'm sure an argument can be made that, yes, technically it's corporate art, but it's still art. I have a hard time feeling that way. Um, I agree. It's why I hate Andy Warhol. Well, that said, I mean, Andy Warhol, basically underneath the way copyright law exists today... None of his art could have ever been produced or exhibited. Period. If he was going to make that art, he would have to do it privately in his home and never show anybody and definitely never fucking sell it. So, oh God, no. I mean, I, you can have your own opinions about Andy Warhol. I don't think he was shot soon enough, but that's up to you. It's, you know, um, I, I, I think that his dick was just entirely too chafed from all the masturbation that he did all day, every day. Um, I wish that I had one, one eighth the ego of Andy Warhol. I would feel so much better about myself. Hey, man, fucking bohemians. What are you going to do? Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so, you know, we're currently in America, you know, after this uh, copyright term extension, extension act, we exist in a world where these companies can... Uh, you know, you know, because they're ex holding these copyrights for um, you know over ninety years. They're um, in many cases finding the loopholes, like we talked about with the Mickey Mouse example of like basically able to iterate away from ever having to have something uh, enter the public domain. Um, so what do you do? Like all this cheap, shitty bullshit art. And I say cheap not because of how much money is used to produce it, but cheap in terms of artistic value. Uh, cheap in terms as, uh, I, you know, like my personal definition of art uh, implies an authentic human somewhere in the situation actually caring about the thing that's being made uh, in a way that informs its form. Uh, not something that happens now. Look, look at these fucking, you know, Marvel movies. That's a great example. A film used to be the expression of a writer... Of, or a director 
who wanted to to put a feeling, uh, a thought into your head, and to do it through a visual and auditory medium. But shit like you know, Spider-Man: Far From Home is isn't there to do that. It's there to recoup its its you know cost. It's there to put butts in seats. It's there to make some fucking you know already multi-millionaire uh, an extra few million dollars. It's there to piss off art cucks like Colin. Yeah, it's it's a roller coaster as well. I feel like I feel like maybe maybe I am the art cuck, right? Maybe I am the the cuckold of artistic expression because I feel like there should still be that there is inherent value in truth, and I feel like there is inherent value in authenticity as much as that it fucking exists, and I feel like there is inherent value in in actual feeling, whether it's uh, negative or not fucking you know talk about van gogh the guy's literally telling you he's going to kill himself through paintings and there's some of the most beautiful expressions you've ever seen uh versus like a monet who's just like look at these lily pads isn't this fucking great it's like, i like this that, bridge a lot though but the point is that those are two men who are authentically expressing something through their art that does not exist on the at the corporate level when you have an algorithm or a boardroom making decisions not based on will it serve the piece or will it serve to better articulate an expression of something that is so immaterial it is impossible to fully articulate that the second that you bring it from the realm of the imaginary into the realm of the material you have diminished it in some way because it's lost every facet that it could have been that it, once an idea is turned into a concrete form like that's the magic the magic is in the transience the magic is in the transmutation um these people don't fucking have it and the shit they push out doesn't have it which is why now in this fucking world of everything has to be commodified everything has to be turned into something that makes money and everything has to be decreased to its dollar value which in my opinion is the most profane fucking way to value anything that's why we get shit like NFTs. And what are NFTs? You oh, might ask. Oh, here we go. And Back go to fuck the... yourself. You don't need to know is what I would tell you. But I need to fill out the rest of this episode. So we're going to talk about it. Yeah, we got another like 20 <laughs> minutes or so we got to fill. So Yeah, don't worry. I'm going to go fast. So NFTs are not nice fucking, fucking true. Hey, don't tell. I bought a color the other day. Okay. Oh, my God. So. Uh, an NFT stands for non-fungible token. Non-fungible essentially just means it's unique. It can't be replaced with something and have that thing be identical to it. Token just means representation of of ownership, essentially. Um, but how does it work? You scream out. You don't need to know, I tell you, because you don't. Okay? All you need to know is basically the way these NFTs are minted uh, is bullshit. Um basically it's a receipt you own a fucking receipt on the and the record of that receipt existing is on the blockchain and what does that mean for you nothing it means nothing for you because there's a million different ways that you can uh defraud that you can uh create fraudulent information obfuscate the transaction um the little picture the little fucking jpeg that you probably think of when you think of an nft the actual image itself is Boy. not the nft that is a no. representation of the token. The token is the lines of code on the blockchain that say Tyler owns Tope, the color. Um, that is what the yeah, NFT that would be is. A nice color to have. Um, the picture or the audio file or you know the the video that represents that token literally changes based upon what wallet that NFT is stored in. So if you were to on one wallet site, like OpenSea, for instance, don't go there, by the way. It's a fucking den of debauchery and evil. And not in a fun, sexy way, like I'm normally into. Yeah, you describe that in a way that makes it sound a lot more attractive. <laughs> no, it's it's debauchery and evil <clears throat> if debauchery and evil happened at the DMV. Oh, so it's chicanerous goonery. It's yeah, chicanerous, chicanerous goonery. goonery. 
It is chicanery schoonery. It's a bunch of tech goons that got too smart for their own good and decided they were going to start making money. And then a bunch of fucking business goons rolled up and were like, hey, we could really commit financial crimes with this. And they're like, oh, yeah, absolutely. that's kind of why we made it. It's it, Also, I don't know if you guys have ever looked into this, but there's like a whole bunch of like neo-Nazi dog whistles in the Bored Ape NFT shit. Getting there, buddy. Oh, we're, we're going to get there? Okay, there. We'll, we'll get Getting there. Getting there. So yeah, their logo is just the fucking Totenkopf unit uh, uh, patch. That's it. It's psychotic. So, the, so that that NFT, that image, whatever, will ch- can and more than likely will change based on which wallet you have it in. There's literally a guy who minted an NFT to prove the point that on on multiple different wallet sites, the NFT NFT displays as different images. But then when you actually purchase it, the only image that will display in your wallet is the shit emoji. Because that's what you are. You're shit. And that's what you bought. Yeah. Shit. You bought nothing. So, okay, hey, what do you think? You're thinking, what's the point of these NFTs then? Why are you bringing them up in this art episode? Well, the whole point Money laundering. is that the reason that... <laughs> the reason <laughs> that i'm bringing up in this episode about the commodification of art is because the image or the piece of art associated with the nft is the only thing the only reason really that any layman would ever buy one is because they're misled into thinking that they own that because they also understand there is inherent value in art now this art like we said is algorithmically generated and it's it doesn't actually have value everything it's all artificially inflated and it's artificially inflated because, as Tyler just said, it's used for money laundering. And how does money laundering work, you say? Go to school! Stop asking me questions! But I'll tell but, you anyway. But, There's but three... Jimmy Fallon, Jimmy Fallon told me, showed me his bored ape. You're, you're telling me... had the heart glasses on. You're telling me that the worst cast member that SNL has ever had, and the late night host most deserving of public execution likes nfts what a great reason for me to like one you can keep that in because i wasn't threatening yeah <laughs> I, I, I wasn't planning on cutting it i'm just laughing because it was funny i love that uh jimmy <laughs> fallon the fact that he laughs it's they they found out that's fake right because tracy it ha- tracy morgan like he tried to do it and tracy morgan's like i know what you're doing stop that shit and he didn't do it for the rest of the seats they were in uh tracy morgan true king King. tracy morgan actual comedian actual funny person actually been able to tell jokes in his life actually a good character actor who could do funny impressions anyway doesn't just look at the fucking camera what a fucking loser oh my god but he hey he's made more money than i ever will in my life um basically the way money laundering works and the way that nfts and cryptocurrency in general are so good at it um is that money laundering involves three steps right uh, injection, layering, and uh, what's a uh, placement? Where basically you have some sort of money-making situation that is legal and above board. So hey, I'm selling drugs, okay, and I, I can't really report that on my taxes, right? Hmm. But Tyler, Tyler owns a mattress store. So what mm-hmm. I do is, a is I say, hey. I need a mattress, Tyler. Uh, and Tyler goes, great, how much money did you make off selling drugs, Colin? And I go, I made $8,000, Tyler. And, and Tyler goes, well, all just so happens this mattress is worth $8,000. And I go, well, thank you for that then, Tyler. And I buy my California King with the $8,000. Um, and then later, I sell that mattress to some other schmuck for $8,000. And then I have my money. Or you, or the better way is you have like a front, you pad out your, your sales, and then when you uh, pull money from the account that the sales are going into, you're essentially pulling out your dirty drug money. Um, yeah. Do you know the history of why it's called money laundering? Yeah, because we, we talked about it. Didn't we talk about it in the Detroit episode where we talked about uh, the Purple Gang? Uh, maybe it, it might have come up as like a joke or something, but like it's laundries were the first places that they did it. Yeah, because it's it, there's no clear like it. You have to do something where there isn't full transparency in the cost of things and that higher markups are expected. Like restaurants are perfect for that because you're everything is supposed to be like times three. That's the rule. If 
something costs you a dollar to buy, you should charge $3 for it. Or your dollar to make, charge $3 for it. That's just like the rule that you go by. So if all of a sudden you're like, well, I have all this fucking drug money, instead of instead of on paper saying, you know, I charge this person $3 for this thing, I'm just going to say I charge them $4. And you do that enough time where you can launder all your illegal money without the IRS finding out. Yeah, it's like how all of these, uh, like, strip malls and shit just stay empty for years and years and years, and there's never anything in there, but somebody's paying the fucking bill Yeah, it's like it. how yeah. the tubbies at Utica and Van, <laughs> Van Dyke stayed open for so long. Yeah, that, that money laundering front. Oh, man. We're actually, I'm saying it right now, there's no way that isn't owned by the, some I feel like some, some person who's in this thing of ours is going to show up at one of our houses and be like, you're talking about the tubbies too much. You need to tur turn that down. <laughs> you need to relax on the tubbies, hey, all right? Hey, it's, you talk about tubbies grilled submarines all you like. You talk about this specific tubbies location. and we're gonna... I told you guys how my stepbrother worked there, right? There's no way. I think... Yeah. I think you might have brought this up on the podcast before. <laughs> yeah, probably. It's yeah, no. Josh, Josh worked there, and uh, he always got paid under the table, and they never had any customers. It's the best way. It's the hmm. best kind of job to have. Where that honestly, from. I don't know. You never. I would never quit if I had a job like that. It was just like, I, you know. I guess I technically have to clean up, but I never made a mess enough to clean. Uh, yeah. Anyway, so, okay, Colin, why are we talking about money laundering and NFTs and cryptocurrency in this thing about art? Well, obviously, it's because the whole point of the NFT, as we stated, is to basically trick people into thinking they have inherent value because mm -hmm. people think, oh, art, art has value. Uh, and as Tyler mentioned before, um, this obfuscation that makes NFTs and cryptocurrency, but specifically NFTs, uh, so great at money laundering is also why uh, the Southern Poverty Law Center has found that uh, a vast amount of early crypto adopters were white supremacists uh, because they're part of groups whose finances are heavily monitored. Um, uh, I don't know if you guys know this, um, but basically the way the federal government monitors money is that any transaction uh, of $10,000 or more uh, has to be reported to the IRS. If they see $10,000 coming in or going out of any account, it's uh, immediately pinged by the federal government because the bank has to report it or the credit union has to report it. Um, and if you don't fill out a specific form for the IRS explaining what this money was, uh, they're going to seize your assets or at the very least do a very thorough audit, which yes. don't fucking want that to happen. No, neo-Nazis never want that to happen. Exactly. If only, if only our friends, the brave Mujahideen fighters, brave Mujahideen. had cryptocurrency. Then honestly, they wouldn't have needed us. That would have been Taliban probably coin. better for them in the end. Uh, Taliban coin. But, so, the middle step, basically, where the proof of this transaction is dispersed across this public ledger, ledger uh, yeah. and anonymizes the participants, all of a sudden, it's much more difficult to track this information and it's much more difficult for it to ping the federal government um that said uh it's actually the you know organizations are actually getting way better at tracking cryptocurrency to the point where um i don't know if you've seen the TurboTax commercials where they're like have you been buying crypto you need to file that on your tax <laughs> you, you probably should do that all, so you don't get hit with tax fraud it's we're at a point where crypto is destabilizing governments in the Balkans. So it also needs to be, like, filed on your taxes because the IRS is looking for it now. And Slovenia's having a real bad time. Oh, boy. The poor femboy of Europe. The uh, <laughs> Tyler sent me a racist video earlier. Uh, Turkey I is love Mongolia. making fun of Balkans. It's not Turkey racist, it's just Mongolia. nationalist. It's basically the same thing. But... Turkey is Mongolia. Don't even say that about Turkey. Turkey is Mongolia. Uh, Turkey is Mongolia. <laughs> but uh, essentially all of these uh, bunch of fucking Nazis are using it, um, which is, you know, not necessarily the point of the episode, but a, f a fun aside about the kind of circles that crypto bros associate in. Um, mm. The fact that none of these wallet sites or crypto trading sites really give a shit that there's a bunch of Nazis in the pot and, uh, you know, really only bring it up when... Uh, you know, they're, they're saying that, you know, anti-crypto people are trying to discourage um, people. Uh, but they sometimes bring it up as a positive and say, well, that's the nice thing about crypto is there's no, there's no authority 
that prevents you from using it. So it's it's really decentralized. And if you're a real leftist, then uh, you probably appreciate the anar- uh, anarchist uh, characteristic of this. It's like, yeah, well, you know, yeah, I don't to, because to... I'm not a mouth breather. Okay. But that's just here's me. What the, here's, here's what these people, the, the funny thing about these people is, okay, yeah, it's decentralized, whatever, you know, okay. Yeah, try sending $100,000 on Coinbase. See what try happens. It. I would love try to try it. <laughs> Try sending $100,000 on Coinbase challenge. Uh, <laughs> get the hashtag trending. I'm I'm going to create a bunch of sock puppet accounts and join a bunch of neo-Nazi groups online so I can trick them into committing tax fraud. Uh, because that's the only thing the government cares about. And it's the only way any of these people are going to ever face any jail time. Well, like, yeah, neo-Nazis... It's not going to be hard to convince them. Neo-Nazis and the people of that fabric tend to love this kind of shit, like crypto and, like... Uh, Wall Street bets because and it shit circumvents like that. the Jewish because, banking con- conspiracy that well, they also, all hold deeply. And also, if they, so the squeeze hasn't been squoze yet with GameStop, supposedly. Whatever. And and at some point, it's going to devolve into well, the reason why it hasn't is because of the fucking Jews. And it's just going to keep going and going and going. And then they're going to start sharing uh, Protocols of the Elders of Zion on r slash Wall Street bets. Protocols of the Elders of Zion has already been minted as an NFT, I'm sure. Uh, in fact, I'm going to do it after this episode if it hasn't. Yeah. <laughs> actually, I feel Get like I'd make, that a, curve I'd make a lot of money if I sold that, wouldn't I? Um, actually, probably. probably not because the NFT market is stalling, boys. And why is it stalling? Because there's no fucking liquidity. Because like any pyramid scheme, you constantly need new dupes to fund the bullshit that you're doing. Now, uh, there's there's been this thing floating around the internet, this piece of information. I've been unable to find a source for it. Um, But the idea was that less than 400,000 wallets, uh, you know, that's that's accounts, uh, crypto accounts, have interacted with an NFT. Now... I don't know. I have a bunch Th- of that them number. In my I, again, folder. I have no source for this. This is just like something I keep seeing repeated in every thread about NFTs, and it seems like all these people are referring to the same source that mm-hmm. I can't find. Um, so I, I don't know if that num- number's accurate. Yeah. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised because I don't know if you guys have paid attention to the, the price of Ethereum, which is the main form of crypto that is used to mint these NFTs, but it's yeah. fucking dropping because not enough people yeah. are buying in. And if the market does one thing honestly, it's when shit drops like that uh, and and refuses to go back up, but there's constantly famous people shilling for it, they're actually worried. That's actually real. It's not somebody shorting it. It's not somebody manipulating it. When you see it on fucking Jimmy Fallon, uh, that's when you know Uh, that these people actually have money tied up in this bullshit. Or at the very least, uh, people who are investing in them do. Uh, which is go why they on, have go on, go on Snoop Dogg's Twitter profile. To. It's so depressing. I'm not going to. Tony it's, Hawk you know what you created do? an NFT. Makes me want to fucking blow my brains out. Uh, you know what you absolutely should do is you should go to web3isgoinggreat.com. There you go. Because um, it's going to show you all the reasons why you shouldn't get involved in this bullshit. Yeah. But, you know, all this to say that NFTs, which were initially touted as a way for digital artists to make money... So they wouldn't have to be beholden to the centuries-old patronage system, which was traditionally the only way an artist could make money, uh, and still is today, um, that, yeah. that they would basically do away with this. That uh, all of a sudden artists could become self-sufficient, and that there would be a new wave of new, interesting art that was no longer um, gate-kept uh, by the material conditions of scarce access to art supplies, as Justin said, uh, or, you know, nowadays access to internet, electricity, things like that, um, that prevent digital art from being created. Um, Obviously, that's bullshit because we see that all the quote-unquote art being pumped out for NFTs is, generally speaking, uh, garbage schlock. That's ugly, so there's no visual aesthetic that this is appealing to, which I I would argue most people would agree is some facet of art. That even if something is ugly, it should look ugly in a way that is evocative, interesting, and unique, and not just derivative a bullshit. Aid. Not not literally fucking bitmoji bullshit. Like literally, you're taking these are stickers. These are fucking like clip art stickers that mm-hmm. you're. Put- if if Clippy sold in the Louvre 
If, if there was a framed picture of fucking Clippy in the Louvre, then you might have a point. But there's not. Don't you dare bring up Clippy again. We all know he burned down the Library of Alexandria. Uh, that's actually apocryphal, the burning of the Library of Alexandria. Uh, we all and know. how it's like a, this loss of wealth of knowledge. is not. Don't you dare bring up Clippy. It's ahistorical. Clippy did it. Clippy if, did it. If Clippy did it, good for him. And the Boston Marathon bombing. Why are we suddenly blaming all these things on Clippy? I don't know. I Actually, the Boston Marathon bombing is because of the FBI, but not in the way you think. Uh, no, we, it's Clippy. Yeah, we'll talk about it later. <laughs> Clippy Zarnaev. <laughs> yes. That's, that's, that was Charlemagne's uh, <laughs> nickname. Charlemagne Clippy, Clippy Zarnaev. Yeah, have you ever heard of Vlad the <laughs> Impaler? No, it was Clippy. It was Clippy. It was, it was, it was Clippy. Oh, I'm going to work right down. Oh, my God. Tyler, thank you so much. I'm, that's my new That's gonna be my new profile picture. I'm going to go and hop in paint.net and put a big Vlad Tepish mustache on Clippy. Call it a day. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Clippy the Impaler. But, uh, you know, hey, so there's there's no new art that's being created of any of any actual value just the bullshit artificial value that uh you know is used to push ethereum that's basically nfts are just a way to artificially inflate uh the value of ethereum uh for a grand scale pump and dump like we saw with so many other cryptocurrencies and before that so many other stocks and bonds uh and other assets um so well at least you're thinking hey at least this means that like actual artwork art that has existed before and that is generally recognized as having some inherent artistic value at least that art isn't getting scooped up in the nft craze you know obviously there's lots of nfts that are just like literally doing the thing that uh they make fun of other people doing copying and pasting and saying they're minting uh artwork as nfts um mm -hmm. And thinking that somehow conveys copyright, which, as we've talked about, doesn't. Um, at least older artwork that maybe isn't accessible online or isn't widely available online, at least that stuff is protected from this commodification. Because, hey, their artists are dead. Um, you know, yeah. th their art is, you know, not owned in private collections or owned uh, in, in, you know, museums where it's, you know, available to be uh, cared about and, and, and looked at and appreciated. Um, you'd be wrong though, because yeah, fucking like Masterworks I, like, exists. And what is like Masterworks? Like I said before, like I said before, Colin, if you think in the mindset of an art cuck, then yes, that sort of thing would be sacred. Okay. So Masterworks, right? What What masterworks. is Masterworks? And I, uh, hell on the internet. Hell on earth. Literal masterworks hell. is hell on earth. Um, art is one of the oldest asset classes there are. Is a sentence that instantly triggers a suicidal impulse in my brain. It's also a selling point for Masterworks. Masterworks, similar to NFTs, look at the way people value art the way Tyson looks at chicken. Regular people think about things like symbolism, visual aesthetics, uh, you know, artist intent, uh, composition when we talk about art. Masterworks thinks about the price per pound of white meat. Um, they have created what's what are referred to as fractionalized investments, where in the same way that you uh, that a company has an IPO when they want to start selling stocks and become a publicly traded company, these motherfuckers, these real life vampiric ghouls, are buying artwork, buying pieces of art, bringing them to the SEC, and then having them fractionalized where basically you split it up and you sell shares of investment in this artwork because art is meant to appreciate with time uh so it's technically its own asset class but boiling down something that is a a fucking historic expression of human nature of human life of the experience of being a living thinking breathing fucking person on this planet and boiling that down to do you want to pay a dollar fifty to own a piece of this Picasso? Is, in my mind, fucking evil. That is evil, materialistic garbage. The idea that you've you've taken a beautiful portrait that somebody made, or a, a gorgeous sculpture, or this something that is just an expression of somebody's essential 
emotional state of somebody's personality, uh, the legacy of a person that hasn't existed, something that transcends time and space. One of the few things that does is art. One of the few things that can connect people that don't speak the same language and never lived underneath the same fucking sky, they can connect through art. And they've taken that and they've boiled it down to a consumer fucking transaction. To the point where you aren't, you don't even fucking know what you're paying for. I mean, sure, you could look up a, a picture of the piece of art, but you're never going to see it in person. You're never going to no. hold it in your hands. and You're, you're never going to have the Ferris Bueller's Day Off moment of staring in, into a painting. Exactly. The, like, literally that. Like, you don't even have the ability to, like, have that introspection. To do that analysis, to sit there and look and appreciate the flaws and appreciate the minute detail, appreciate things like brush strokes, like the idea that a human hand put this on the earth, that this is the manifestation of somebody else's will. This is the spirit made fucking flesh. This is the Eucharist, Christians. That's what it fucking is. It is a material representation of the divine. If you want to fucking talk about it like that, we can talk about it like that. These people are selling pieces. Imagine fucking selling communion wafers, uh, consecrated communion wafers. I know they're they're sold, they're mass produced and sold. <laughs> but imagine, imagine you're selling shares in a fucking church. That's what's happening here. There is something it's like sacred. It's a timeshare, but you never get to go there. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's how timeshares work already. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> hey. Uh, but that's you know that's the fucking thing. So Masterworks is doing to pre-existing art. What NFTs are trying to do with new digital quote-unquote art. Um, it's, it's all the same fucking game. It's as we progress through time, there are fewer and fewer material things that you can pull extra value out of. So you constantly have to abstract to more and more ludicrous points of, of, of abstraction to extract more value. So it starts out as... Okay, this painting has value because of the materials that were used to make it. Now the painting has value because the person that made it is famous. Now mm. the painting has value because the last person who bought it paid X amount of money for it. Now the painting has value because you own it. And the ownership of it is what's valuable and none of those other things. So now people are paying not for the materials, not for the, uh, you know, the cachet of owning a specific artist's work, not even for the uh, like consumptive value, the, the the flaunting value, being able to say, hey, I have this very expensive piece of art. It's now it's I own something. That is what people are buying. The feeling of owning something, which is such a fucking morally bankrupt concept that I, I find it hard to fully articulate it. But that's where we're at, is that people are literally just buying a dopamine hit now it's 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 crazy it's crazy that we've gotten to this point and more people aren't upset but that's the thing people aren't upset people feel fucking alienated people feel isolated because nothing's real anymore everything's immaterial and one of the few things that used to be real that used to be material that used to be so fucking concrete that from a toddler to a fucking octogenarian you could create it with your own two hands that you could create a piece an essential piece of yourself and take it out of your fucking head and put it into the world even that is getting so watered down and diluted through commodification that it doesn't even fucking matter anymore that that's the episode the call to action i i actually just saw the moment where colin's like i can't let my blood pressure get any higher the the call to action for this episode uh is Hey, um, I get it. We're all trying to make money here. Uh, it sucks. And being alive sucks. And trying to survive sucks. And the fact that you have to, you know, be productive uh, in some capacity to, you know, survive is bullshit. And, it, it, like, immoral. Inherently wrong. Um, but, all that said, don't fucking spend your money on crypto. Don't fucking spend your money on NFTs. Spend your money on things that fucking matter, you idiot. I get it. I understand. We talk about investment. We, we understand, hey, I have principles, I have ideals, but 
at the end of the day, this is how the system works. This is how the market works. And if I need to make money, this is how I have to make money. No, it's not. It's only that way because you keep doing it. Stop. Did you know that the top 11% of households rated by income in America own 80, over 80% of this all stocks traded on the market? That's not because they're just better at it than you. It's because you can't play this game. This isn't for you. This is for people with actual money. This isn't for some guy who works in a grocery store saving his fucking pennies. At the end of the day, yeah. it's a waste of your fucking money. It's a waste of your fucking time. And ultimately, with the way crypto and if NFTs work, it's a waste of fucking air you're breathing. It's a waste of the time left on our species to exist on this planet. Okay? I get it. Proof of stake is way more environmentally friendly than proof of work. Do you think that means anything? Electric cars have existed for over 150 years, and we use gas ones because the people with all the money backed gasoline, and the people with all the money backed the fossil fuel industry. Do you think that these people care enough to make the differentiation? Do you think you can trust the people who have kept you and everybody you've ever loved underneath their boot heels since you've been born to make the ethical decision and move towards a more environmentally friendly form of completely alienated commodification? I don't fucking think so. And I think you're smart enough to know better. Or if you're not, fuck off. Stop listening to the podcast. All right. Well, this has been another uh, high tense or uh, high tension week here at Worst in the Industry. Um, it was this or slavery. That was my episode. It was this or slavery. Most of our episodes are about slavery in some capacity or another. Colin. It's probably still um, happening, actually. I, I, make sure, yeah, make sure everywhere. listeners. No, 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 the episode sure, I have about slavery. <laughs> make sure that anytime one of your uh, friends, colleagues, whoever on Twitter uh, buys an NFT and then posts it on Twitter, you hit that save button and just quote tweet them with the picture. Yeah. Because they don't even understand what they have. Yeah, absolutely. No, do that as often as possible. Because what? NFT bros who don't understand what they actually own is hilarious. It's it's just crazy. Uh, it's it's ridiculous. And it's like, it's not even like the people who are like supposed to be really good at crypto or really knowledgeable about NFTs. Not even they understand what they're talking about. Because no idea. you saw like... The, they're buying colors. Like They're buying they're colors. Buying colors uh, and then the idea is that you earn a royalty based on the percentage of NFTs utilizing that color. You earn a royalty, quote unquote. It's not actually a royalty because you don't have any actual ownership. The way that works is on proof of stake uh, based NFTs, um, you're paid out of transaction fees that are charged when you buy a coin. So you're not making royalties off the color. You're getting paid out through a coin, essentially. Um it's bullshit. It's all bullshit. Just like those fucking morons who thought by buy, buying that Jodorowsky Dune book, they were owning the copyright to that version of Dune, and they were going to create a Dune video game and a new Dune mo animated series and all this shit. It's just people who are so desperate to own something, because that's the only thing the system says is worthwhile. Mm -hmm. It's just them striving for that. And it's, it's just fucking pointless. Because at the end of the day, you'll never be able to own enough. No. Yep. I don't know. Maybe get drunk this week. Get listeners. fucking wasted. Go get, out. Get you know drunk. what? That's what if I'm gonna do. If you're vaxxed and boosted and all that sh good shit, uh, the world's opening up. So if you you know you don't got immunocompromised people in your life and you want to have a good time, fucking go for it, buddy. I'm not here to stop you. Uh, uh, do what you need to do. You want to? Hey, you want to go join? the French Foreign Legion and go fight in the Ukraine. Go do that. I can't stop you. Go go kill all those 50-year-old Ukrainian women who are weirdly volunteering for their, their military or or don't kill them. Go kill the Russians I, or kill the Chinese or the Taiwanese or don't worry, they'll people point you in, in Kazakhstan. I don't uh, people on Twitter just want to get involved in a war and I think it's because they're so sad and lonely and desperate for anything that means anything. Uh, yeah, I'm uh, not excluded which, from that. I just don't think I know, we should go to work. I know it. we got to get you outside, buddy. That's uh, fine. We're gonna. It's you know what? Next time I go to my uh, next time I go to Ma's house, you're coming with. I'm gonna burrow into a a, a snowdrift, uh, and hopefully I'll die there. <laughs>
God. It's all right. Uh, thanks for listening once again. Uh, we'll see you next week. Check us out on all the socials. Bye. Yep. Bye. Bye. Kisses. I wasn't rapping about the past back, dealing dope. Got the offer and it's real low. Over one mil and it's still low. They all corporate, they all cute in suits. Yeah, on bullshit with all that poop to scoop. My shit going up, I go root to roof. They don't like that, they want mute the truth. They gon' switch sides, they go group to group. They won't shoot the shit, ain't got shit to shoot till I go crazy. Go and get the baby shark and hit him with the doo 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 damn. Big boy, you gotta shoot it with two hands. Couple John Doe come through like who's man's? Blue ball, nah, she blew it like two grams. Everyone I lose, abuse the fuse hands. I'm right there on the edge of insanity. Overlooking Vegas, overthinking my vanity. You've been throwing shade, I'm enjoying the canopy. Everybody dies, so I live out of fantasy. Yeah, can I talk my shit now? I was playing two hand touch, fuck it up, it's a hit now. I hit the road, do a show, hit a lick, then I skip town Run up in the spot, no dance, and I make them all get down Boy, you need to sit the fuck down, yeah I don't even talk my shit now unless I got a reason Everybody watching like Netflix got a new season I'ma get rich, hit the dealership, get the new bands out Bottom line 316 like Stone Cold says so They bury me alive, I was dead broke I've been living in the no-flex zone About to make a move, it's a escrow Cooking in the kitchen, my sauce like magic My pesto like presto Off a little bean, that espresso Little bit of lean like I'm getting over chest cold Got no chain, no, I can't chill. A ball got me feeling like a mill. Can't stay still, can't feel off a pain kill. Got the little orange pill, not the day quill. They fake with it, they ain't real. They talk about bricks, but they can't build. I'm Frank with it, I'm Jake Jill. I only sold gas, I'm Hank Hill. Tank filled with the propane, it's like a 10K grill, it's a throwaway. They never ask if I'm okay, I'm never okay. Everybody wanna cut, it's a dry vocal. I'm anti-love, anti-social. I'm bipolar, I'm bi-coastal. I might buy one and go postal. Can I talk my shit now? I was playing two-hand touch, fuck it up, it's a hit now. When I hit the road, do a show, hit a lick, then I skip town. Run up in the spot, no dance, and I make them all get down. Boy, you better sit the fuck down.